This is How to Have an Adult Relationship Camping Edition. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to Hug and a High Five. It's a mom and daughter podcast journal. I'm Ingrid, I'm the daughter. And I'm Vicky, I'm the mom. I'm trying to figure out how to be an adult. I'm trying to figure out how to parent an adult and live as an adult who is more than a parent. I live in New York City. And I live in Los Angeles. And this is Hug and a High Five. Hello, Mom. Hello, Ingrid. Today, we get the special pleasure of sitting actually side by side. Yay. It's good to be side by side. It's always nice. We've been side by side now for two weeks, close in each other's presence for two weeks. Yes. Yes. Two weeks together, which is super nice. Yes. I go back to New York tomorrow, but I've been here for the last two weeks. We decided to risk some things, um, quarantine, COVID-19 related. I didn't... I didn't quarantine for two whole weeks before I came, but we did have a lot of precautions on the plane getting here and and now I've been here for two weeks and we went on a nice big family camping trip. Yes, because your sister came in town from Minnesota and we got the chance to camp together, which we haven't done in many years, I don't think. Yeah, it's been a long, it's like a classic camping trip. We've done lots of other vacations. It's different to camp together. So anytime that there's a new thing that we are sort of reinventing or doing again after years of doing it, mm-hmm. it's a good new uh, opportunity to talk about how it's changed and what we're learning about each other um, as we do old things in a new way when I'm more of an adult. Yeah. So I I feel at some point I feel like, oh, we've kind of like done this podcast before, but every new activity shows a a, a new realm of our relationship and our new places in the family and I did feel like that was true in our camping trip so this is how to have a adult relationship camping edition (laughs) I think your dad and I noticed the most distinction maybe you and your sisters noticed the distinction but I noticed and daddy noticed um a distinction in the way the trip went Mm -hmm. and I think that that was two-way in particular, I think it was two-way with regard to your dad. Yeah. Because he's Mr. Responsible. Mm-hmm. He likes to provide. Responsibility and provider are really high strengths of his. And sometimes I think, for me, I allow that to be um, a chance where I am sit back and relax and coast. And I don't... Uh, battle him taking charge it doesn't bother me too much when he takes charge and sometimes it's more stressful when I try to take charge which is conversations that we've had had over our 27 years of marriage so but this time he specifically said I'm not going to be the one that packs the car and that was set the tone for the way the camping trip went yeah and that was a good shift I think yeah, yeah, there was a lot more of my sisters and I stepping up and, and doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be the main difference. Yeah. yeah uh, of, I of had the made trip. the camp list, which I have made for uh, your whole life. Yeah. I have, I have it on the computer, and I just update it and revise it 
before when you were little had diapers on it and right, baby toys. <laughs> <laughs> now it doesn't have that anymore. Then it shifted to more crafty things. Mm-hmm. And so we did still bring some crafty things, but we didn't end up doing them too much. We did them a little bit, mm-hmm. you and I in particular. So we had a list to go by. But then some people paid more attention to the list than others. You and I collected everything the night before. Yeah, we did a lot of the main prep, you and I, before the day before. And Mm -hmm. then the day of, a lot more people chipped in. I am interested. So I thought about this uh, the other day, reflecting on the fact that I had done a lot more, I don't know, leg work as far as like the leadership or preparation goes. Mm -hmm. Um, And your comment actually on our collaboration podcast with the Kroll family because right right with the Kroll family when you mentioned that when you come to New York you do put yourself in a sort of mindset of I'm gonna let Ingrid be the host and like I'll sit back and recognizing that's something that I wanted to do and that it is kind of conscious on your end yes did dad tell you like did he announce to you specifically that he didn't want to pack the car yes did he not say that to you? No. <laughs> so I was actually a little annoyed. Oh, interesting. I was like, Dad is sitting here in his bathrobe, like, <laughs> putzing around the house. Like, well, you know what a camping trip is. What are you doing? I feel, like, I feel like I'm, like, picking up slack for all these people. Uh... So that's interesting. And, it, of course, like, I, it didn't, I'm not, like, a super emotive person, especially when it comes to anger. So it's not like it was a terribly bad thing. It was fine, and I love being in charge, and it was fun to feel this responsibility to do that and to lead. But it wasn't—it wasn't clear to me that that was the plan. I was just kind of like, no one else is picking up slack, so I guess I'll do it. <laughs> Interesting. And Dad often says now, frequently, commu- over communication is communication. Right. And he said that to me. I would be in- more inclined to under communicate, thinking, well, I heard it from someone. Doesn't everybody know it? I don't know. I feel like maybe if I had found myself in, like, a more clear leadership position, then I could have asked the second question or thought of the second question. Do you have everything on the list? Do you know that there's a whole bunch on the list that we didn't have packed, you know, that that is just in the cupboards? Because I knew that because I had made the grocery list to begin with. So it was my job to, like, make sure that it all got in. It was mostly fine, but there was some level of, like, we're not all on the same page about how fast do we want to get this done, and I guess maybe, like, where's the line between not being the leader and also then not helping? I don't right. Know. But the beauty for me is that you did jump in, and yes. you did jump in, and you helped me pack up mm-hmm. the car and we had a problem solve the te- the pop-up tent we put on top of the vans and that felt really good yeah that was fun that I, the organization of things collaborating on that there was also leadership things that i think changed in the campground i guess more parental responsibility classically uh was in maybe time management and then again food yeah there were a few times at the end of the night especially evening we'd come back from hiking or whatever we were doing and it'd be like four o'clock and dad would just sit down to like read read (laughs) and I looked around like also this is the we've talked about before the harmony in me where I will see an argument before it gets there and I want to do everything I can to not let it get there 
so I do a lot of groundwork beforehand, and I just mm. thought to myself, it is four o'clock right now, and if there isn't food available at five, people are going to be me- angry mm. and mean. <laughs> so I'm going to start now with all the food prep, <laughs> which wasn't, I, I actually really like food prep, and that actually happens to be the role that I've kind of taken in my apartment mm. in, uh, in New York over quarantine. Interesting. I live with two other people there, and they're also wonderfully capable young women. But I have more of the cooking bug, and so I just jump in and I make food. And as soon as I make food, maybe what I would have made for myself for a few days in a row, they eat my it. roommates were like, oh, that looks good. Are we all having that? And I'm like, yeah, great. Here we go. So I actually I ended I'll up cook cooking. tomorrow. Exactly. I ended up cooking almost every day for all three of us. It was just the meal, meal person. And mm. they would chip in for groceries. It's fine. Because um, I like doing it. Mm-hmm. I just noticed that that was a role that I jumped into again in the campground. Not every day. It was, I think it was the first or second day that I jumped in to do that. And then I think there was a moment of kind of catching myself the next couple of days to say, like, you don't have to jump up every time there is a need. Because I definitely overcompensate and I mm-hmm. will, you know, overachieve. And then there's like there can become bitterness in that if you're like no one's appreciating me when you didn't no one asked you to do that in the first place. That's true. But I did. I stepped back and other people cooked other nights and mm-hmm. I just made sure I had a snack so I wasn't hungry before then. Right. Yeah, and we didn't even always talk about it too much. We did sometimes, but it, it helps if we talked about it. But it, I did feel a lot more collaborative mm-hmm. that way. And I think I was thinking about some of the benefits of camping, and it's that time goes more... You don't anticipate doing so much, and you anticipate everything taking longer. Mm-hmm. And it's just like the the pacing of life is yeah. slower. And so you anticipate mainly the thing that takes longer is the meal prep. So Right, your little propane one-burner stove takes <laughs> a lot longer. Or a two-burner. So yeah, we... I anticipated the meal prep taking longer so there was one day that I did a lot of chopping and we're eating more vegetables now than we did and vegetables tend to take a lot more chopping than meat which is what I did the day before I chopped everything and then I finally put it in the pan yeah so but I just knew that that was gonna take longer but it's kind of a relaxed pace and sometimes we read out loud to each other sometimes people were doing their own things so Mm -hmm. that was fine I appreciated the separation from the clock oh yeah and that's actually I I mentioned that too that that's interesting compared to our own camping trips in the past Mm -hmm. I wonder if this has to do with growing up it might actually just have to do with quarantine lifestyle Mm -hmm. but we did seem to have a lot less planned even on camping trips we usually have things planned from what I remember yeah we're going on a hike this day we're going to see this this day we're going river rafting this day etc etc yes and my my friends all laugh when I go on vacation or when I come home because they are like you're you're busier on vacation than you ever are at home (laughs) your parents have so much there's always like a schedule they all know that the record dolls have a schedule that's on a holiday, usually emailed out the week before with things to do every single day. <laughs> you just look at me like, what? Family is just planned out. Which doesn't sound relaxing to all of them. But this time, we hardly had a schedule at all. 
We had friends right. coming in the second half of the week, so that added a little bit of an element, but I commented on the first few days. I can just sit here and crochet this yarn flower. It was so nice, and the sun staying up later made it nicer. Nice long Because we days. would have afternoon snacks, and then we would have dinner at 7 or 8 o'clock because it was still light out. Yeah. So it could be 4 o'clock, and right. it seemed like it. And then we'd have a campfire, and the sun would go down. One thing I like about camping is winding down with the darkness and kind of winding up with the light. Mm -hmm. Now, I was in the canvas tent above the van, the pop-up tent that we had, and the canvas was fairly dark. I could see when it got light out, but I couldn't tell how long it had been light. But there was a couple days where we all slept until about 9 a.m., which is also new and uncharacteristic for us. True. But partly because it was dark enough in our tent that we couldn't really tell the time. Do you think we planned less this time just because of maybe like a, a quarantine Not knowing how much was going to be open. Yes. Those kind of things. Yeah. Versus I can also imagine that as a mom of young kids, you just had to work a lot harder to create a lot of events to keep us occupied. Yes. Because it's I th probably harder to, you know, have yes. eight days in a campground with an eight-year-old. Yeah. We would have had to come up with a lot more things to do, like specific schedule-wise. Here's the big activities. event of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you were really little, we did activities around the table. Mm -hmm. So, But now everybody was reading their own stories or... We exercised a few days. Yes, we talked a lot this time um, about the fruition, the fulfillment of your your categorical name for us as your children. Ah, yes. All growing up, mom used to say, I don't know, to other people around, these are my self-deployed assets. <laughs> Which, when you guys were little, somebody told that to me, and I was like, oh yeah. That's a nice term. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is awesomely aspirational, really, to say that they are going to be self-deployed, you know? Mm -hmm. I will deploy you to begin with, but then you've got to sort of generate your own uh, work and yeah. commitment and what you give to society, to our family. And that did seem to be true. We were very self-deployed assets this time. Yeah. We each found things to do. Exactly. We... There was no, like, I'm hungry. We just went and got food. What are we going to do now? Yeah. <laughs> none of that. There was, yeah, pretty much none. I think one person mentioned on Monday, ugh, what are we going to do this whole time? But then the immediate answer from everyone around was, well, we're camping. <laughs> the point is to not do much. Yeah. And also, you've got a whole campground, so go do things. Right. The other thing that I really enjoyed on this camp trip that was different was the big, long conversations we had, and they were led by different people. One night, mm. Ellen led a conversation. One t morning or evening, Audrey led a conversation. Early evening, I think it was. One time, I led a conversation. Yeah. And so, different people, and everybody participated in the conversation willingly, but there was one catalyst leader and that was really helpful. Yeah. Really pleasant to have everybody engaged and nobody withdraw. And everybody, when somebody else was leading, they didn't disengage. They still stayed engaged. That was amazing. I don't know that we've ever had 
sustained conversations where we're like one person's leading this where other people haven't withdrawn. Disengaged. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, in our whole family, like, we have plenty of long conversations. We're at the dinner table, etc. Like, great, we can do that. We're good conversationalists. But as soon as someone says, I want to sit down because I have something to talk about, people totally withdraw. Some people at different times. Different people different, different people. times. But, yeah, yeah, some people more often than others. But that is so true. And I, I do... I hope that is a testament to us growing up and maturing and mm-hmm. learning to honor even more than we just respect someone else's mm. point of view or or desire. I like that distinction. Respect someone is is a good. It's good to respect someone, but to honor them is to actually elevate them a little bit. Yeah, I just just came to me just now. That was brilliant. And inspired. I think we did do that. Yeah. We were good at honoring each other. And I know you and your sisters had at least one night, late night of hard conversation, but Mm -hmm. you sorted it out and we didn't get involved and we didn't know what it was about. And it did seem like you each chose throughout the rest of the week to honor each other. It didn't cause a rift that was not repairable. You seemed all to repair and I'm learning I'm I personally am definitely learning from my sisters as well as from our whole family conversations how to embrace the uncomfortable. Because Ellen and Audrey are both very clear about their points of view and they're good at having opinions, which I'm not so good at. And that can become arguments quickly, but they are learning to how to just debate hmm. and and um take both sides and I was laying in the tent in the middle both metaphorically and physically going this is so stressful to me because I just feel like a full fight is going to break out at any moment but it never did and there was a time when I literally said oh guys this is so stressful to me and Audrey said Ingrid calm down it's fine we're just talking (laughs) (laughs) it's like okay and it was, and it was beautiful, and I'm so, so glad that it happened, because it, it sows trust, and it deepens our relationship, and I think that is true for all five of us in our conversation. Built trust, and it allowed us to sort of open open new realms of conversation. I feel like maybe there's a trend in our family, I don't know where this would have come from, of like, getting to a com by the end of a conversation having an answer or 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 some level of this is the truth and so we're going to talk through what we know already is truth and these conversations were a lot of we don't really know what we think about whatever topic we we mm-hmm. you know we we talked a lot about faith we talked a lot about uh, racism in america like hard subjects that don't necessarily have clear-cut answers and it was really I think impressive for me and um, affirming for our growth that we were able to have those and it was okay that we had different perspectives and it was okay to not come to a conclusion yeah there's there's some level of like verbal processing Mm -hmm. that is you really need other people to allow, allow you to do yeah I think we had in mind the goal of having conversation 
and not the goal of winning someone over to our point of view. Which is hard. Yeah, it's refreshing. Where maybe in the past we have had more of an interest in winning each other over to our point of view. I think so. And I now that I think about it, I think that is a point of um, growing up. Because when you're a small child, there there must be quite a bit of a parent purposefully wanting to win you over to their point of view. This is what's right. I don't. Doesn't really matter that you can't see the end goal. You need mm-hmm. to be safe. And so here I am going to win you over. This is the debate that I'm going to win. <laughs> if it just means that you say at the end that this is non-negotiable. Right. Well, I've learned a lot about that even in the past year, even in the past month or two. I read a book uh, about collaborative, proactive decision making. Mm. We would have called it, instead of proactive, we would have called it a formative conversation. But the whole concept of being collaborative, I wanted to be collaborative, but... It, when you're young, it's hard to know where the collaboration can be. Yeah, this is and the And it rule. seems like there's a lot more of this is the non-negotiable. But it does seem... I, I do remember saying, if you have a non-negotiable, that you should have some negotiable things. Mm, right. Uh, so I definitely thought the shared responsibility and the shared leadership in the conversations was a beautiful part of this trip that we haven't experienced before. And I... I really think that camping is the setting that helps cultivate that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and there's something I just about, like, being in a tent or being in nature that sort of calls you, and we talk about, like, a third-party place. It's not a place you're going to come back to all the time, and so if there was going to be a hard conversation where there was some, I don't know, some more baggage to unpack or leave there, you could, and you, Mm. you know... It's not like going back into your bedroom where you just had a fight with your sister. That's true. That's a good point. And in the evenings, when if we were to stay at home or at a hotel or a resort, we would have said, what movie are we going to watch right. tonight? That is t- often classic. But in this case, even though we had our small devices, we're not like custom to use our small devices, everybody to watch something. But we could see the stars, and we had a campfire, so we had long mm-hmm. conversations into the night around the campfire. One yeah. time we sang songs. Mm-hmm. We played a game a couple times. I was thinking about it, even when you guys go off and do your own things, and Daddy and I are left to travel, whatever we do. Mm. I would prefer to do the camping, hmm. where it's a little bit of work. Right. We could go out to eat when we wanted to. We didn't eat every meal in, so it wasn't too hard. And we were definitely car camping. We weren't backpacking. Yeah. So it's not like a big strain, but there's enough work. There's enough separation, enough distinction from the norm that it makes it very special. Yeah. It makes sense that that must be the way we're created, that there's something about going into nature and still having enough of your own work to feel accomplished in the day that just Mm -hmm. really helps relationships and mental capacity yeah what was fun for me and dad to see also is the chores that we have kind of let go of Mm. we used to be pretty fastidious about no shoes in the tent and sweeping out the tent but because we weren't really sharing your tent we didn't care if your tent was messy (laughs) (laughs) but there was 
you know, different people that chose, different ones of you that chose to sweep yes. or keep it neat or your spaces were different levels of neatness. But you guys dealt with that and we didn't have to. So That definitely is a point of growing up. And that's true in my apartment too. My roommates and I will laugh when we get so excited about the new appliance we're buying or uh-huh. <laughs> whatever. Or the fact that we do want to sweep or clean the bathrooms. Things that are classic chores. But when you live in your own house, you want to have a nice space and it's up to you. And so that becomes a new level of appreciation. Yeah. Yeah, that's really pleasant. One thing that I think, maybe this is a sort of small thing, but I do know that groups in general have a better time together when they have like some common goal. Oh, yeah. You could have, you could name a lot of common goals of our camping trip. But one kind of funny specific one was our sweet little dog. Yes. Winston has been with us for 12 years. Yeah, at least. Even more. He's an old schnoodle, um, schnauzer poodle mix, and he is totally blind. Now, he can still hear, he can still smell, but he's totally blind. And I laughed because I said, we have never paid this much attention to Winston in my entire life. No. (laughs) Because when he was, you know, when we were little and he was young... We rarely paid attention to him. He's small, so he gets exercised just by walking around. We actually didn't really take him on walks. He just sort of, like, roamed our yard. We have a generally large yard for a suburban Mm -hmm. area. Fed him when he wanted to be fed, and that was, like, all we did. But because he's blind now, oh, man, did we dote on Winston. And I know that there's some feeling of, like, we don't know how long he'll be with us anymore, and so... We take way more pictures of him now. Yeah. Um, but all of us were so, like, happy to do inconvenient things for ourselves so that Winston had a better life. <laughs> he was with us. Yeah. We, like, moved his bed back and forth, made sure he was warm all the time. It was cold because it was near the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, we were all so willing to walk slower on a sidewalk so that he could find his footing. Right. Which, we are a family of movement and of activity, and I just, I noticed that that we wouldn't necessarily usually be okay just, like, taking a nice small stroll. But because Winston needed to take a a slow stroll, we did. Yeah. We took turns picking up the poop when he did that. We always made sure he had an orange bag with us. He stayed in the tent with us, and all three sisters... We're not begrudging about getting up with him at 6 a.m. when he needed to go to the bathroom and, like, mm. walking him around. And there was, there was no level of, like, ugh, this is so annoying. We all, mm-hmm. all three of us did it. All three of us took turns and made sure he drank and ate food, which when yeah. he first goes to a place he's disoriented, he doesn't He's super drink. anxious because he can't smell, I mean, new smells, he can't see anything. Yeah, even though it's his bowl, his food. Right. So we had to entice him with some special treats. Yeah, that was that was a common goal, a quest we had together. Some, and yeah, he enjoyed it. Some level of of caring for another person. We were all sort of in it together. Like, we were even we... cautious because on the edge of our campsite there was poison oak. Mm-hmm. So we would put bags and boxes in front of it so he wouldn't wander up there because we didn't want to get him out of it. And we didn't. I don't know that a dog is affected by poison oak, but we didn't oh. want to get close to it. Right. <laughs> so we were. We were careful about that. I think that there might be a different level of grace or just, like, right. not assuming things about someone when you're when you're camping. Yeah, I think, 
you extend uh, kindness, a measure of kindness to people, you definitely extend a measure of trust. Because we left belongings in right. our tent that wasn't locked. We left a lot of our camping gear out. Not all of the important stuff, but pots and pans we left out. Propane tanks we left out. And yeah, some level of some, we're all in this together. Yeah, there's some implied trust that I'm not going to touch your things. You're not going to touch mine. I know there are campgrounds and you go to certain campsites around that say lock up your things. Be careful. You're responsible for your own things. More popular uh, places have yeah. more problems, but I haven't had problems with things getting stolen and it's been really pleasant. That's another thing that I think makes camping pleasant. Although I do know that people do have that on occasion. Right. Yeah. It's just kind of nice to think about camping and then think about the ways that you can bring that back to everyday life and mm-hmm. reassess how often you have an assumption about someone else or how often or how tightly you're holding to your property line or whatever. Right. And then just the fresh air, being outside, being away from the intense Wi-Fi cellular service, electronic magnetic fields. (laughs) It's nice to have a little bit of separation from that and see the stars, see the moon, smell the air. I spent a lot of time trying to pinpoint the plant that smelled like California. I didn't didn't get there. No. (laughs) Because it's so different from the East Coast. And New York has a very specific smell, too, which I can't describe to you. But the, the, it's some, some conglomeration of, like, the dry, dusty earth, Hmm. the eucalyptus trees, Hmm. and a third plant. It's like a bushy, like, sort of sweet-smelling, slightly honeysuckle, because dry dust is dry dust, and eucalyptus is pretty sharp, and there's something else that's kind of sweet and rounds it out that makes the, like, California California smell. smell. I wonder if it's it's, some of, like, the goldenrod or mustard's grass. Yeah, something. Anyway, that, that was sort of my quest in nature this week, was to really soak that up because that's specific to California and I do Mm. miss that when I'm away. Um, Well, we feel refreshed at the end of our camping trip and we do think it's worthwhile. I think it's worthwhile to do We suggest camping. We do suggest (laughs) camping for all those things. Yeah. Or even just taking little semblance of it. We have friends that are anti-camping when it comes to being, I don't know, dirty. Right. All the time. But the idea of finding a place that does sort of like subliminally call you to unplug or mm-hmm. um, just to work in a different way, a, mm-hmm. a third party place where you can relax and then have longer conversations that don't, you know, have the same baggage as your home. I think mm-hmm. those things are much m- more widely applicable. Real time high five, Ingrid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Real and hugs. I'm, I'm soaking in all my hugs before I go back to my apartment with just two other people. Yay. Glad to be with you, Mama. Glad to have you. Love you. Love you. Thank you for listening to Hug and a High Five. Yep, thanks for listening. If you'd like to suggest a topic, ask us a question, or share your mom-daughter story, please email us at hugandahighfivepodcast at gmail.com. That's hugandahighfivepodcast at gmail.com. All words, hugandahighfivepodcast at gmail.com. Have a great week.